This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat postgame podcast, presented by Caddyshack Golf, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC Gig-Powered Studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the final PowerCat postgame podcast of the year as Kansas State Falls to Navy in the Liberty Bowl, 20-17. A strange game. It was a low-scoring game, and unfortunately it was a game decided by a couple of really well-executed trick plays by Navy that kind of won the day for the Naval Academy here in the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. I am in Memphis. Brian Hanley is back at his headquarters in Texas, and we are sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. Brian, that was a kind of an old school game low scoring it came down just to a few plays that navy got the job done but uh i think as you look back you have to be really disappointed in how kansas state's offense performed in the liberty bowl yeah that was not a good performance by the offense um they just they couldn't run the football which was very surprising um but they didn't really try um, it just, you know, there was a lot of runs. The numbers are got kind of skewed because if you look at some of the stats, running backs were averaging four yards a carry, but then you take Skyler, who had negative yards, or almost negative yards with nine carries, but it was just it was really disappointing that they didn't try to just physically manhandle. They didn't try to do that, and that was pretty disappointing to me. Uh, I watched it with a couple of guys that, that played it was it was just disappointing that what we were doing yeah. um but and it wasn't like i know they 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 tried to trick and move around at the snap and go but you know what if you're running the ball downhill i don't care what they do i mean it, it doesn't really matter and it just wasn't some of the thing we just didn't do it offense um we got a couple of drives but it was it was almost like we knew that they were going to possess the ball and that we were just trying to overreach or, hey, we've got to do this because we know we're not going to have the ball very long versus doing our own ball control drives. It just, I don't know. It just, exactly. it was just a bad day for the offense. It's hard to explain. And you mentioned that yeah. running game. They came out on that first drive, that first possession and did run the ball with James Gilbert. He was successful on the ground. They moved the ball, and then the drive fell apart because of the passing game. The first play of the game was a drop by Nick Lenners. Um, I thought it was an interesting call. If you had said, uh, who would Courtney Messingham design a play for on the first play of the game in the script, I would have never guessed Nick Lenners. I guess that was a little change up and he unfortunately didn't catch the ball then there was just a couple of uh, heartbreaking plays if you're a Kansas State fan Skyler underthrows Jordan Brown on a little wheel route 
that was wide open. And yep. then a little bit later in that possession, Phillip Brooks has a touchdown pass, hit him in the hands, and he yep. cannot handle the pass from Skyler. Two missed opportunities there. And, uh, you know, I looked at that drive and I said, okay, they didn't get it done, but they know that they can throw the ball down the field a little bit. And they also know that James Gilbert can run the ball. And what happens after that? James Gilbert gets rotated out, and we really don't see him until the third quarter, and I am baffled by it. This was the first time all season I said running back by committee uh, really hurt them. They they should have just put Gilbert back in. I, I, at one point in the third quarter, I'm like, run that opening drive script again. It all worked. You just didn't execute it right and see if Navy can adjust to it because nothing else was working for the offense. I'm just going to say it. I thought Courtney Messingham's play calling was rather bizarre throughout this contest. Yeah, it, it was. It just, I mean, we didn't do the things that we've been successful with all year. It was just, it was just really weird. And then when we went and tied the game, you know, near the end of the game in the fourth quarter, we did start doing those things. I was like, it's amazing. It's like you start doing the things that you can do and stop trying to be maybe be cute or I don't know. It's just we did it. And then the next thing you know, we're in the end zone. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, where where was that all game? I go, because that was there all game long. We just did not do it. Because if you're going to tell me that the Navy, there's nothing against the Naval Academy, but if you're going to tell me that those guys can cover our receivers, then we've got bigger problems. And it turned out they couldn't cover our receivers when we decided to attack them down the field. There was nothing that they could do about it. I know they were trying to drop eight people. Uh, it wasn't Skyler's best game by any means, but it didn't matter. When we wanted to attack them, we could attack them, and we just didn't do it enough. Navy's a high-pressure defense. They give you different looks. And I thought their defensive coordinators uh, did a marvelous job in this yeah. game. Kind of messing with Skyler. I think the book's out on Skyler that if you pressure him, he doesn't react well to that pressure often. Flees the pocket. Uh, doesn't like to stand in the pocket. He did stand in the pocket late in the game. To the credit, I thought the offensive line did a better job on that final drive. But yeah. I, I love the idea, or I'm baffled by the idea, maybe is a better way to put it, how an offensive coordinator, when tested by the crucible of time, all of a sudden finds the plays at work. And that's what happened yeah. on that last drive for Kansas State. Hey, I know this will work. Let's run it. Well, why didn't you run it in the second quarter, in the third quarter, and try to play from the lead? Um, I, I just uh, – I'm really, I'm really just uh, confused why we didn't see another wheel route, why they didn't go back to the Phillip Brooks pattern that was executed perfectly up until the very point of reception. Uh, I, I just don't know why they didn't say, okay, we know this works. Let's go back to it. And maybe they just thought they couldn't give Navy. Those guys were so well-trained in everything they did um, that they just couldn't give them the same look again. I don't know. I think they overthought it themselves. They they should have just gone, yes. gone back and uh, done those things. It's what drives fans absolutely insane is saying exactly what you said, Tim, is, hey, we know this works. Give it another chance. I mean, they talk about football as being a copycat league. Well, part of being a copycat league is copying the things that are working for you in a football game. And we knew what was going to work or we had seen it work 
we just didn't do it again until the end. And that's literally what drives fans insane about some of these things because fans can see it. They get frustrated and they don't understand what's going on. And there's really no explanation that a coach can give because the proof was in the pudding, which was in the plays. So what are we doing? Why didn't you do it? And I don't know. I, I'm like you. I'm just baffled that we didn't give the guys an opportunity to prove themselves. And to, to, we didn't put them in the best position to win. That's what I'll say. We, they, they did not put them in the best position to win based on what was going on in the football game and what we had seen be successful versus unsuccessful. And that was frustrating. It was really frustrating. Yes, that was the word of the day indeed. This is the Powercat Postgame Podcast sponsored by Caddyshack Golfware. Caddy with two Ts. Visit caddyshackgolf.com for all of your officially licensed golfing Willie Apparel, accessories, and more. Use the code GPC for free shipping on your next order. And in the second half of this podcast, we'll have a Caddyshack Golf question of the week, question of the bowl, final question of the year. But there's no question in Kansas State special teams, Brian Hanley. Phillip Brooks got it done. I knew this was an area of big advantage for Kansas State. When you're the Naval Academy, you just can't have the depth on your roster to kind of fill out all of those special teams roles. And I thought on every kick, punt, they were much less down the field than you normally see, and there was going to be some opportunities. They just couldn't cover the way other teams cover. They did a good job covering that up with positioning the ball throughout the game, but lo and behold, they kicked it to Phillip Brooks, and 66 yards later, he is in the end zone. Good for that young man after the drop. What is it about Kansas State special teams that does this over and over and over well, it's guys that want to. I mean, and it didn't just start with Coach Klein. Oh, I mean, this was a Coach Snyder thing. And it's just, it, I mean, it started a long time ago with kids that just want to do it. They just want an opportunity. Because a lot of the guys that are out there are not guys that are playing every down. You know, some of the guys are walk-ons. You know, all they want to do is go out there and have an opportunity to make a play. Just give me an opportunity. And if this is my only opportunity, then that's what I'm going to do. And you see it. Guys are going down there, busting their tail, blocking guys, running guys off. And it's just a thrill for them to do it. But that's what it really comes down to is want to on all special teams for everybody. It's not just Kansas State, for everybody. But it just seems like Kansas State has a special thing that's going on. And it's been going on for 20-plus years. Uh, I was a part of it. And you saw the guys. They worked their tail off and just wanted to be a part of it. And it was yesterday, I mean, Navy, I thought they were going to kick the ball out of bounds every single time. Because I thought there's no way. When I saw some of the guys that were running down on the punt team, I'm like, these guys have numbers in the 70s, numbers in the 90s. Like, they're not going to be able to catch anybody that we have back there. And that was the case. I just figured, oh, they'll just kick it out of bounds and 
when they didn't, it was, it was a problem and absolutely took advantage of it. But yeah, it comes back to just guys, just loving to be out there to just say that I'm playing for Kansas state. I'm contributing. This is the way that I can contribute. It's, it's been like that for 20 plus years. Absolutely. The culture of special teams at Kansas state saved the day in the first half as uh, Kansas state got its lone first half touchdown from Phillip Brooks. Let's hear this real quick. Here come the Cats. Not a lot of pressure. Set up for the return. Good high spinning kick. Fielding the ball at about the 35-yard line is Brooks. He's at the 40. Got the corner far side. 45-50. 45-40. 35-30. 25-20. He's at the 10. He's got a house. Of touchdown, Kansas State. The Wildcats score on special teams again and have the lead in the game. It's 6-3. We thank Wyatt Thompson and the Learfield IMG Kansas State Sports Network for access to their highlights in our post-game podcast all season long. They have really helped us out. Unfortunately, there's not many highlights for Kansas State following this game, Brian Hanley, because this was the Malcolm Perry show. He is as advertised. You knew Kansas State was going to have a tough time handling that Navy quarterback. He is so incredibly shifty. He is literally a running back playing quarterback. He ended the game with 28 carries, 213 yards, a long run of 59 yards. The key stat for Kansas State is zero touchdowns. They kept him out of the end zone. And I would have to say this, and you know, I had this observation after the game, and Chris Kleiman thought his defense actually did a really good job on Malcolm Perry, and I agree. I've never covered a game in which I thought the defense did a nice job on a running back that got more than 200 yards, or in this case, a quarterback, uh, as he set the single-season all-time FBS rushing uh, record for a quarterback in this game. Malcolm Perry's special. I mean, as a running back, he's just special he's got that ability to make people miss he's slippery it often takes uh a third guy to get him down because he slipped a couple tackles he's hard to square up that's the key people have asked how does a quarterback carry the ball this many times uh, and uh, you know get through the season he does a marvelous job of not taking direct hits he steps out of bounds he gets down uh k-state did square him up particularly elijah sullivan got him a couple times but do you agree with chris Kleiman's assessment that they actually did a pretty good job on a guy who gained more than 200 yards in this game. And you know what? I actually do. Because if you look at it, it could have been 400 yards rushing. You know, because there were plenty of plays where K-State bottled him up and didn't give him anything. Plenty of those plays happened out there. Now, I know what your people are going to say is, well, Bronny ran for 200 yards, and, you know, he was slipping and dipping and ducking and going, and he did all of that. But there were plenty of plays where we held him to one yard or two yards or four yards. The thing that killed us is that it seemed to be those one and three-yard gains were always on third down, and they either needed one or three yards. That was where the problem came in, is that we couldn't get off the field. But for the most part, I mean, he didn't just keep running for 50. and see. He had a couple of young, long runs. I know, but it wasn't. He wasn't just – if you just turned on the game and watched it, you knew he had some yards. But K-State was – they were, for the most part, they tackled him pretty well. I mean, but he's just a slippery, small guy that just like you said, he doesn't take a lot of hits. He's pretty smart. Not pretty smart. He's extremely smart. Yeah. You don't have to go into the Naval Academy and not being smart. That's number one. So he's extremely smart, knows how to play football the right way. But I don't see, I mean, like I said, in case they bowed up, 
you know, when they had to bow up near the goal line, which was important. And it was just those two plays, like you mentioned, that caused all the havoc. But it was – I agree with Coach. I, I think they did a fairly good job because if you look at the game, I mean, it could have been 350 yards, 400 yards rushing, and it wasn't. Here's a few defensive highlights from that first half as we turn it over to Wyatt Thompson right here. Third and two, Williams in motion from left to right. Here's the turn and the handoff to the fullback, and he didn't make it. He is pushed back by Trey Deshaun. Carruthers pushed back all the way to the 25, and it will be fourth down. Here's the quarterback to throw. Perry under some pressure. Sacked. He goes down by Reggie Walker. Reggie Walker got it back at the 41-yard line. Well, Navy fell behind 7-3. Kansas State wanted to play with the lead. <clears throat> they did have a lead for part of that first half, uh, but they never really built a two-score lead, which you want to put Navy in in the position where they can be less comfortable with that triple option and maybe have to throw it. Now the Naval Academy did throw the ball a little bit more than they expected. And we'll hear from Denzel Goolsby a little bit later in this first half of the podcast. But it was a just a beautifully executed trick play in the middle of the second quarter that got Navy on top uh, again. And let's see if I can get my Polynesian pronunciation guide going here. Keone. Mekakawao, well, I'd probably butcher that, with a 27-yard run off of a beautifully executed, wonderfully executed reverse. You talk about a play that was perfectly blocked. They they set up this reverse, Brian, almost like a screenplay. They had pulled linemen down, and, and they'd built a wall for him. It was a work of art. There's no other way yeah. to say it. They had three guys out there to block two K-State defenders, and uh, as an offensive lineman, how much did you appreciate how well that was played out? Oh, man. Well, I mean, the thing about it is, is because they set the play up, you know, the entire first half. They set it up by running wide and running wide and running wide. And then all of a sudden they came back with the reverse. And if there wasn't an end zone, that kid could literally still be running right now because it was so wide open. And just as an offensive lineman, to see you're running out there and all you have are these two DBs, I'm like, that was a field day. I mean, that was a dream come true. And people think, oh, well, DBs are slippery. I go, no, no. When you're running, they have to run to you because I got the guy with the football behind me. So they're going to have to come to you. And that was beauty. That was just a thing of beauty. And it, it, they set it up perfect. Like I said, it wasn't just set up off of one play. I mean, they set it up the whole half. And it was so wide open. I mean, we had guys, they had no idea that a reverse was coming. I don't know in the in the prep if that was even something that they've run all year. I'm not sure. It, it didn't look like that we had any idea that they were going to do that. But they'd had success running wide. and They'd gotten free, you know, a couple times late in the first half by running the option, running wide, even with the pitches. And then all of a sudden to come back, I mean, it was a beautiful – I mean, that was a great call. I mean, just a great call. Yeah, Navy offensive coordinator Ivan Jasper might have baited K-State into that. He made a point of saying at his pregame press conference that they really only run about six plays typically. And, of course, there's lots of variations off those six plays. But it's six core plays to their offense, and then they build some other things off of that. He hinted at the fact that they'll run things over and over, and he quoted, uh, what is it, Remember the Titans? 
Uh, It's like Novocaine. You just give it enough time and it works. Uh, They must have seen something. And on this play, Wyatt Hubert was crashing down the opposite end, uh, down the line of scrimmage, didn't get wide to cover that reverse. And they probably noted that as the game went on, that that's what was happening on those plays. And and they got around him. And then there was really nothing else to happen out there. They had a six-foot-five receiver that's right the naval academy had a six foot five receiver blocking poor lance robinson in the end zone and he couldn't get around him it was like he was behind the berlin wall and couldn't escape uh it it was just it was something else you know what as a football connoisseur that was cool yeah it was it sucked that it happened to your kansas state wildcats but that was cool and you want to call that a trick play you know, as Coach Kleiman did, I don't really call it a trick play. It's a reverse sweep that uh, is part of their core offense, and they just did it really well. And that's the thing about how the Naval Academy is set up. I don't know if they're able to practice as much as everyone else. Uh, these guys have a lot of other commitments in their schooling. Uh, you know, a lot of things they have, mandatory things they have to execute on the school side of it, along with the rest of the academy core. So they run a few things, and they do it over and over and over. They almost drill these guys like it's a, you know, just like they would on a ship or, you know, on an aircraft carrier, wherever they they might be doing in the future. You do this over and over and over. So when the time comes, you do it perfectly right. And that's what it looked like. I mean, they, they had... They knew exactly how to do that play. Everyone on the field did exactly what they needed to do, and then it was just something else, man. It it, yeah. it sucked. It because as soon as he got got the ball, he went, "Oh, there, there he's going to score." He's yeah, gonna, you knew it. I mean, there was nobody there. Oh, uh, he's about <laughs> five yards deep in the backfield, and you know, more than thirty yards away from the end zone. You, know, well, that's that's six. It was just uh, something else. So Kansas State was able to come back later in that first half and get a Blake Lynch thirty-nine yard field goal to get it to ten ten as they went to halftime. And we're talking now about a first half in which the special teams have put up all 10 points because Kansas State's drive uh, there, they did move the ball a little bit on that drive for 49 yards. And they go into halftime, Brian Hanley, with less than 100 yards of offense in this game. They went into the fourth quarter. They were well into the fourth quarter with less than 100 yards of offense in the game. Kansas State absolutely did not react well to the idea of the other team possessing the ball, the other team keeping you on the sidelines and frustrating your offense because they're out of rhythm. It's it's funny. It's almost like if you want to beat a team that presses in basketball, you press them. Kansas State didn't react to exactly what other teams, uh, they tried to do to other teams, and I just was – immensely disappointed in how the offensive coaches handled this game. And I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah. Well, for the most part, I mean, you're 100% right. It's just, they just weren't ready for it. It's almost like they didn't expect them to do this. Like they, I don't know if you want to say they underestimated their ability to move the football, but they underestimated their ability to move the football and they kept getting, we couldn't get off the field and so when we couldn't get off the field, it's not like they were putting up a ton of points. They were putting up a ton of points. Then you could say, okay, well, the, that's an issue. But they just kept moving it and moving it and moving it. And then they would get a penalty 
or they would get behind the sticks and then all of a sudden, okay, then they had to get rid of the football. They had to punt the football, but we just didn't react. And on offense, it was just, I mean, I know we covered it. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but it, it was just mind boggling at what we refused to do to see if we could come back and, I mean, to see what would work. I mean, you knew where the advantages were, and instead of trying to run wide or even a ton of quarterback run game, and we were just dropping back, throwing the ball. It's almost like we got impatient. It was like we got impatient. Oh, okay, it's the Navy. We got to score a bunch of points. We got to do this. We got to do that. First, just doing what you do and going out there and winning a football game that's going to be a nip-tuck football game. Now, it was a great, you know, for me, because I like these kinds of games, hard nose, hard fought, you know, 20 to 17. I like that. I don't like the 50 to, to 48 football games because, you know, the, there's not a lot of, well, there's a lot of back and forth, but it doesn't seem the defense isn't necessarily involved. Defenses weren't involved yesterday, which is what I like, but it just didn't seem that the guys were engaged enough. And like I said, I don't want to beat a dead horse. I'm not trying to pass the blame and put the blame on anybody, but it just didn't seem that the guys were put in the position to be successful. And as a player, that's what you're wanting. And as a coach, that's what your job is. And it doesn't, it didn't seem that that's really what happened yesterday. And it's, you're right. They did not react well at all to another team putting the pressure on them. It's almost seemed like they got us frustrated and we said to hurry up and hurry up and hurry. And that's not Kansas state's game. That is not our game. Well, you said, uh, let's not beat a dead horse. This horse has it coming. Let's <laughs> he deserves this beating because it really stood out in this game. Let's take it to the second half. Now, as we break down the entire game and in the second half of this podcast, we'll take your questions from Wabash station. Navy got the ball to start the second half, drove 75 yards and kicked a field goal. Uh, it was notable that Kansas state stopped, Navy in the red zone twice for the most part. That last score of the game, I, I'm not so sure Navy couldn't have scored a touchdown if they really wanted to. They just set up the field goal and won. But then, you know, they get that score at the 10-15 mark of the third quarter, and Kansas State does a remarkable job for the rest of the second half of stopping Navy from scoring. They just couldn't get the ball back enough to execute anything on offense. They never got any rhythm until late in the fourth quarter. They got the ball back with about eight and a half minutes to go in the game. Plenty of time by normal game circumstances. And it took six plays for Skylar Thompson to drive the length of the field with this offense, including a beautiful pass to Wyking Gill down the middle of the field. Let's turn it over to Wyatt Thompson. Now changes the play call here. It's down to seven and now six on the snap clock. Thompson set. There's the snap. Again, a four-step drop. He'll fire it deep. Has a man. That's Gill in the middle. He's got it at the 15. Inside the 10. It'll be first and goal for the Wildcats at the five-yard line. Kevin Brennan makes the stop on Joaquin Gill. That's the catch of his life. Brian, where was that play the rest of the game? I mean, they just uh, ran someone straight up the middle of the field, and he was open. There was I nothing no fancy idea. about the route. There he was. Nope. Yeah. I have no idea. It just like I said, I mean, nothing fancy. Just I'm going to run a seam route, and I'm going to be wide open because I'm just faster than anything that they can put back there. 
and the line gave them time. For the most part, the line gave time. I know they were running around and doing some stuff, but your quarterback's got to stand in the pocket and help you a little bit. And But that play was beautiful, and we just moved the ball, and it was like, where where was that? Where I mean, it's not, I don't believe that those plays weren't there before. We just didn't call those plays because, like I said, it's nothing against the Naval Academy. Uh, but you're, you can't convince me that they have guys that are just as fast that are going to be able to cover our receivers. You can't convince me of that. And, if again, if that is the case, then we've got bigger problems, and I don't believe that that's a problem. No, I, I totally agree with you. <clears throat> I just thought that uh, they didn't trust what they were seeing well enough. Skylar Thompson right. didn't uh, – he, he apparently did check into that play, and that was – it sounds like that wasn't something he was doing on a regular basis. His checks, he wasn't trusting them, and <clears> then <throat> would, would frankly panic in the pocket and get out of there. Kansas State uh, didn't get the ball back in this game. They score with about five minutes left. Navy takes it over and kind of lulls Kansas State to sleep. They get to midfield, and they have convinced Kansas State they're just going to play for overtime. And now we come to the big point of the game where we are put in the position to second-guess a head coach, and I don't really like to do this, but Navy is sitting at midfield. I think the 48-yard line or so, 46-yard line uh, for Kansas State, and they seem to be running the clock down. There is less than a minute to go. Uh, I think it was 48 seconds, 49 seconds on the clock. They could have taken it down underneath 10 seconds on fourth down. It was a fourth and three. And then just run the clock down as far as they could, punt it down, kick it out of bounds, and force Kansas State to throw a Hail Mary. That's what everyone thought they were going to do. Chris Kleiman wanted to save his timeouts, he said, because they thought they could maybe put together a drive. Number one, that was wrong. They, they they wouldn't have had enough time to use three timeouts at that point in the nope. game. Number two, you predicated that on the thought that you're trusting Navy to do what you expect a football team to do, and they did not. They lined up. They saw the Kansas State defense posture of, we think you're running the clock down, and they snapped the ball with about 29 seconds to go and executed a beautiful slot back pass as C.J. Williams completed a just a wonderful 41-yard pass to Chance Warren uh, down to the K-State 5. <clears throat> you know, C.J. Williams said uh, he doesn't really throw the ball. He's not a quarterback. He, he throws the ball in practice because they, they have to practice his plays. But just on his own time, he doesn't throw the ball. How about that? But when yeah. called upon in the game, in the fourth quarter, he absolutely throws – uh, you know, a strike downfield, and it helps your receivers that wide open. <clears throat> they get it down, and uh, Jerome McPherson gets him to the ground. In a weird way, Kansas State might have been better just to let him score. Because now Navy was in the position to run the clock out. Kansas State had the three timeouts. They tried to ice the kicker and didn't work. And Kansas State watched Navy kick the final field goal. Game over for the most part, except for one hopeful play at the end of the game. Brian, it was... Ed, this was the second time this happened to Kansas State this season with Texas also going down the field to kick the field goal. That's not a way Kansas State's typically lost games. And maybe this coaching staff and uh, everyone will learn from this. But a frustrating way to end the season at 8-5. and five, And yet, Brian, they were 8-5. and five, And yeah. I don't think we need to lose sight of that. It was so much more than what we expected from the first season under Chris Kleiman, wasn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, I know the guys are going to be disappointed. I'm disappointed that they lost the game, but they did, they did not lose the season, and they did not lose, you know, momentum or anything coming into next year. You know, I know this was going to be a big a stepping stone and a barrier on next season, but at the same time, this is more than what we expected. I mean, so I think – that's why guys get frustrated is because they saw the potential and I saw the potential of once we got into the season, Hey, we're better than what we think that we were going to be. And when you lose some games, sometimes you got to come back to reality and say, you know what guys, this is what we are. This is who we are, you know, and there's no reason this is better than what we thought we were going to be because if you'd have told anybody, that at the beginning of the season, we are going to be sitting at eight and five. I don't know that there's a man, woman, child alive that wouldn't have taken that right then and there. And that's what we have to, to, to get back into perspective of. Yes, they lost the bowl game. However, the season was a tremendous success. And that has led over to, you know, the recruiting side of it. And it's just, you know, Katie barred the door for where we're going. So it's real exciting. And I'm excited. You know, I'm real excited. And, you know, the fan base, I think, for the most part, is getting back excited because the fan base had been a little bit stale. Um, but I think guys are getting more excited to see, and we're going to get some better players and things. It's just a, a, a breath of fresh air. That's, that's the best way that I can put it. Just a, a breath of fresh air. And I, I'm excited to see where we're going to go next year, because uh, I know we're losing all of our linemen, but linemen hasn't really been a problem at Kansas state. That hasn't been an issue of us being able to put a good line together for several years. So I'm not really worried about that. I know we're losing the guys, but we have guys that can play behind them too. So I think it's going to be a, an interesting off season. Um, I, I don't want it to be a, a, a sophomore slump as they say, uh, and take a step back. But at the same time, if you can see the team getting better, if we win seven games, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. But, you know, I also wouldn't mind them winning 10 games. So there's that, too. Yep, exactly. Well, you got to tip the hat to the Naval Academy, how well they played, executed, how well their defense performed. They did what they wanted to do in this game and prevented Kansas State from doing what it wanted to do, and that's pretty simple football philosophy and that's really how they they play football at the naval academy they end up with 11 wins as opposed to uh kansas state being able to pick up its ninth win of the season and a big reason why was uh malcolm perry this quarterback from navy who is absolutely marvelous and there were 27 seniors for kansas state that played their final game for the wildcats one of them was one of my favorite players uh, not for on the field particularly, but off the field in Denzel Goolsby from Wichita, an incredible young man. Uh, and you can hear it here in this quote as we go to break. Tip your hat to Navy and Malcolm Perry because he was special.
Yeah, well, we knew coming into the game that he was one of the most elusive players in the country, and so we just tried to do our best to contain him. Anytime you give a guy space, um, he's able to expose it and make plays with his feet. So I thought that uh, they did a great job coming in, the scheme that they had. We hadn't really planned on them passing the ball that much. If you look at what they did throughout the season, they had rarely passed the ball, and I think they passed more in this game than they had all season maybe combined. So um, hats off to them. Great players, great schemes. Um, they did a great coaching job, and I think that uh, we came out. We fought we gave you know a, a really good look at, towards our bowl prep and practiced hard for the past three weeks and just came up short stay locked in the power cat podcast will be right back we now send it back to fitz in the wtc gig powered studios welcome back to the power cat post game podcast sponsored by caddy shack golf that's caddy with two t's for K-Staters, by K-Staters, jackets, hats, polos, t-shirts, golf accessories from the golf course to the tailgate. Show your purple pride all week long with Caddy Shack Golf. Visit CaddyShackGolf.com and use the code GPC on your next order for free shipping. And in this half of the podcast, we're going to have some questions from Wabash Station. <clears throat> and we will have a Caddyshack Golf question of the week, question of the bowl game, however you want to put it. And I tell you what. As fans tend to do in a loss, Brian, the fans did not hold back with their questions, and there's some pretty good <laughs> stuff here. So they're going to put us on the spot in a uh, couple of ways here. Um, you know, Exhausted Nihilist makes a great observation slash question here with this bowl performance looking underprepared and under executing in a game how appropriate is is it that coach Kleiman is following coach Snyder's footsteps of course coach was often notorious your fiesta bowl in 97 being a you know glaring exception to that often notorious for having a team that looked exhausted and and worn out and ill-prepared at bowl games because he just beat the heck out of his team in bowl preparations it was kind of like oh this different head coach kind of the same thing going on here kansas state's underperforming in the bowl game did you see it that way i definitely saw them be rattled during the game now i don't know whether we were tired i, I didn't see that i didn't feel that at all because defense was running around you know so i don't think that the guys were were tired and beat up i did think that we came into it and we got rattled by what navy was doing and we didn't react well and that was a lot on the coaches because, again, the players can only execute what's going on out there when what they're told to do. And, you know, but at the same time, they still have to still have to execute it. But it was just one of those things. I, I just I saw them being rattled during the game. I don't want to say that they were underprepared, uh, but I just saw that they didn't respond well to the game. It's almost like when they got into the game, it, it – it wasn't what they thought was going to happen. And so when that didn't happen, they didn't react. No adjustments or anything like that. That's what I saw versus being underprepared. Yeah, it just true. wasn't a lot of good adjustments that were being made, you know, to, to, to stop what Navy was doing or to, to push forward, push back against their defense from what they were doing. I just didn't see a whole lot of adjustments. I don't think it was being underprepared, though. We will make that the question of the week from Exhausted Nihilus, and here's the two reasons why. Number one, I've left the list of who's won in the past back at home because 
I brought everything but my reeds and that. And also, Exhausted Nihilist posted this question, and in it reminded me I needed questions because in the hectic process of trying to get everything done at the Liberty Bowl and drive back across town to the hotel, I forgot to post questions, so he actually posted it for me. And uh, so, Exhausted Nihilist, you are the question of the week. Let's get to uh, something else here that uh, you just touched on, Dr. J54. Uh, is it fair to say that Courtney Messingham has not shown an ability to make those in-game adjustments? And I have to admit, I am a little uh, curious about what will happen in the offseason. We talk about players, what adjustments Courtney Messingham is going to make to his in-game play calling uh, and maybe better be better prepared for contingency plans because it strikes me, now this is just an observation, I might be totally wrong, it looks like he has a game plan uh, and when something goes awry, he doesn't have that contingency plan either on paper or in his head all the time to says, say, okay, this is what they're doing. This is what we're going to do with that. It really looked like he couldn't quite figure out how to address that pressure at the line that Navy was, was offering to the Wildcats. Well, and that's been kind of the thing all year yeah. is that can't there's no in-game adjustments on offense. And it's frustrating because you see something that's not working. Okay, that's fine that it's not working. You know, the, the other guys get paid to coach and other guys have scholarships. So, you know, everybody's not just a laid out. Well, you got to be able to adjust in-game. That's what all the good coaches can do. They can figure out something else that's going to work. It might not be the first quarter. It might not be the second quarter. But third and fourth quarter, the good coaches are going to figure out a way to either stop you or figure out a way to move the football. And we just – it was almost like we figured it out way too late. So those in-game adjustments, we've got to be better. We've just got to be better. We can't – I mean, there were several games this year. Oklahoma State game comes to mind. You know, the first time we got a little bit of adversity – and it would fold a chop, and that was pathetic. And this kind of got came the same way until the very end. So we just got to get back in the lab and figure out, okay, we need to have plan A, B, and C. And when those don't work, go to plan B. And that's just what you have to do as a staff. It's, it's You just have to. I mean, it's college football. Everybody's trying to win. So you got to be able to put guys – I mean, you can't just uh, – well, they stopped us, and that's it. That's all we know. I mean, if that's going to be the case, then, you know, go coach middle school. But, you know, as far as big-time college football is concerned, there's always plans. That was the one thing, and I'm not comparing the two because I don't want to do that because you get into trouble. But I know from experience that Coach Snyder, there were always contingency plans. Always, always, always. Didn't matter. Now, we may, may have been overmatched in a football game where it didn't work, but there were always going to be something else that we could do and something else on top of that. That's just the way it works. And this isn't going to be any case. I mean, football doesn't change that much. So you got to be able to come up with different strategies when your first year, your A plan doesn't work. Even you're scripted, you know, you get behind it. People do it all the time. Hey, I script the first 15 plays or first 25 plays or whatever, but you get behind you throw that to the window and you come up with something else. Well, this is the same thing. We got to be able to do that. I covered coach Snyder long enough that I knew what he would have done in that game. He would have gone to the simple little out pattern where, you know, you just 
yep. put the two, re- two, three receivers out there, say, hey, you want to load up the box on us? We're going to turn this into a one-on-one game between your secondary players and our receivers. And we think a guy like Malik Knowles or Josh Youngblood or Phillip Brooks or even Dalton Schoen or, you know, whoever else they wanted to throw the ball to is going to be a bad matchup for you. Here you go. Yep. We're going to throw it out here in space, tackle them. And we're going to do yep. it again and again and again until you prove that you're going to consistently do it because we think we're going to pop one on you. That's what Bill Snyder would have done. I've seen him come back in games often through his career that, you know, it just looked like K-State was lethargic. Make it simple. Make it about yes. something else. You want to load the box? Fine. We're not going to play that game. We're going to put it out here in space and make you tackle in space. Uh, and you're right. It's unfair to, you know, uh, compare anyone to what I truly believe is one of the great play callers, even though I know fans got frustrated. They ran the same plays over and over. And when I say great play callers and the fact that he could respond to what an opposing team was doing, he was a chess master in that and, and say, you know what, uh, we're going to change the game. You've made this game about this. We're not going to play that game. We're going to go do this. And it might have taken right. him a while to get there, but <clears throat> we saw that happen after a lethargic first half. They might be down big in the first half. Heck, we saw it against UCLA in a bowl game where they were down yep. really big, and he said, you know, we're going to play a different game in the second half. You played a great game this way. We're going to play this game now from, from this angle and just totally change the game. Um, heard as Joe ask a great question here, and this was a running theme through the questions that we did receive on Wabash Day. Is the hot, cold Skyler, uh, this version of Skyler, play calling or confidence? We saw our junior quarterback at Kansas State fall back into some bad, bad habits, man. He just flees that pocket too eagerly sometimes, uh, and he flees it to the right and ends up running horizontally uh, along the line of scrimmage instead of just getting upfield. Uh, he wasn't comfortable under that pressure. Uh, I thought it was both play calling and confidence. I thought Skyler got a little bit rattled and didn't react well. Uh, I thought he didn't like the plays coming in. You know, it was just kind of he wasn't ever in a groove. What were your thoughts on Skyler's performance? That's exactly what I thought. Uh, you're 100% right. I didn't think that he reacted well to any of it. Uh, now, part of it was play calling. You know, I'll admit part of it was play calling, but he just didn't react well. But that was the theme all season. He didn't react well to pressure. And, you know, you have to be able to do that. And I know it's a lot easier said than done. So and I'm not trying to bash on him, but this is big time college football. There's going to be times when the pocket is going to break down. You have to be able to come up with different things you have to be able to understand i'm going to get hit but i need to stand here and throw this football or you know what if i'm going to take a sack i'm going to take a two-yard sack trying to fight back to the line of scrimmage or better yet i'm just going to throw the football away and that's the thing that i don't believe that he does he doesn't throw the football away he looks and then looks and holds it and holds it. I'm like, and you've got a clock. You've got to just get rid of the football. You just do. And those are some habits that he's going to have to break if we're going to take the next step. I thought that he had done that earlier in the season. About three quarters of the way of the season, he was playing some outstanding football. But in this last game, it just – you know, it, it did not click well at all. I know the stats you look at, 10 for 14, and uh, like I said, 
play calling, huge part of it. Huge part of it. Didn't put him in the position to be successful. And if you're not going to put your players in the position to be successful, there's only so much that they can do. But part of it was him, where he's not doing the things that you would think, you know, a, a third-year quarterback that started several several football games would be doing at this point so he's got to be better because i believe that if he's better even with the play calling at this level of football he'll be able to make the right decisions and kind of what you said get us into the right play if he doesn't believe it's the right play then just get us out of it you know he's been able to do that from time he did it yesterday you know in the game so i just believe that He's just got to be better. The play calling absolutely has to be better, especially in situations like this when things aren't going where put the guy in, the, in better position to, to be successful. But at the same time, he's just got to be better. Yeah, he does. <clears throat> no doubt about it. Here's a stat that nobody's really talking about and was a huge stat in the course of the game. The Naval Academy was 7-15 to on third down conversions, which was the best I believe anyone's done against Kansas State this season. Fourth down conversions, 2-2, two of two, including that big play in the final minute of the game. Kansas State was 1-8 of eight on third down, including 2-3 of three on fourth down. Stopping this Navy offense, and this kind of uh, – this comes from um, – Eric Black, DV, the defense couldn't get Navy off the field. Nope, not at all. Stopping that Navy offense from gaining 10 yards on three plays seemed impossible. It just seemed like if they ran their stuff, they were going to get 10.1 yards on average in that game. Because you might have in third and six, and they'd run a play, and the ball, the nose of the ball would be past the sticks. Over yeah. and over and over. As a defender, I know you weren't one, but that has to be mind-boggling. They did it again. They did it again. They we're still out here on the field. And I thought Kansas State defense held up remarkably well, even though they were kind of stranded on the field and couldn't get Navy off it. And that's the thing. is That kind of goes back to our earlier a conversation that we were talking about as far as the quarterback. I mean, he ran the ball 27 times. Now, again, I know he had over 200 yards rushing, but at the same time, there were plenty of plays where he would get one yard or two yards and we were doing our thing. But it seemed a lot of those times, it, well, they only needed to one yard. They only needed two yards and they would get a first down. And then we're starting all over again. And it just, it was I mean, it's frustrating as a defensive guy to not be able to get off the field when you feel like you're doing a decent job. And that was the whole thing. You feel like you're you're playing decent because I, I believe the defense played decent. They didn't play great, but they played decent. And when you can't get off the field and they're just – they would run the fullback and then the quarterback would slip. And then, you know, and then it, it got – to a point, then they started throwing the ball when just when you thought, oh, okay, well, we're, we stopped them running. Then they throw the ball and they get some yards. It was just, it was frustrating, but they held up. They held their end of the bargain. This was not a game that was lost on the defensive end. I know, I mean, when you're talking about two trick plays, I mean, people don't want to say trick plays. I mean, it's part of your offense. And, you know, they ran it and they ran it successful. I don't care if they tricked you or not. Whatever. They, they were successful and they moved it. But at the same time, I thought our defense just played very well. I thought they, they – I shouldn't say very well. They played well enough. 
they played well enough. Um, but yes, you're trying to get off the field against that offense. It became frustrating. It seemed like we needed help from time with their own penalties and, uh, you know, their mistakes to get off the field, which is fine. That's part of it. Uh, but it just, it, it was, you could see it and you, but they held up, they held up, they kept them out of the end zone, which that's all you can ask. It really is all you can ask. Other than that trick play in that first half, it was uh, a really remarkable defensive effort by Kansas State. They really did hold up. That's exactly – it was like uh, a battle out there. They were getting bludgeoned pretty well but still fighting back. Unfortunately, the artillery for Kansas State didn't show up to the, the field of battle until it was a little bit too late. Uh, you know, I, I hate doing this. I We've already done it to Courtney Messingham, and now we're going to do it to Chris Kleiman. One of my few complaints about Chris Kleiman in year one at Kansas State is he looks like a coach who hasn't been in many late-game situations. He right. looks like a guy who's won a lot of games comfortably and hadn't had a thought about, hey, the team's got the ball at midfield, the other team's got the ball at midfield, and there's 48 seconds left. It's fourth down. I've got three timeouts. Got to call one. Yeah. Got to call one. And we had a, you know, it's easy to look back and <clears throat> and second <clears throat> and second guess a coach post game. But we had a real-time debate up in the press box among members of the media. Call the timeout. Don't call the timeout. Call the timeout. And I'm like, you got to call the timeout. You've got yep. three timeouts. That'll leave you two with the ball. But you can't let Navy dictate what happens on this fourth down play. That's exactly what happened. They ran a play. They ran not just a play to run out the clock. They ran a play to win the game. What else did we expect Navy to do? They, yep. they don't play by conventional rules. All you have to do is sit there and look at that offense and understand they don't play this game like everyone else does. They don't think through things as coaches the same way a coach in the Big 12 would think things through. They know they're undermanned. They know their strategy is uh, being tricky and deceptive. And that's exactly what they did. They were deceptive at the line of scrimmage and made Kansas State's defense Uh, lulled them into sleep thinking, hey, you know, we're just going to run it out here. No, we're not going to snap the ball. Here's a halfback pass. Uh, We almost scored, and we're going to kick the winning field goal. Wildcat Tad 2 wants to know, do we agree? Call that timeout. Set your defense and say, hey, these are the scenarios that could happen. Be ready. I I thought Coach Kleiman failed his team. Uh, There's no other way to say it. I thought he failed his team at that moment. You have to call a timeout in that that situation number one it wasn't like it was fourth and one or anything like that so you have to call a timeout just for the simple fact if you're trying to win it, i mean it just seemed like we were lost and i'm like what are we doing i'm screaming at the television call a timeout call a timeout what are you doing i go because even if navy you knew they weren't going to punt it that was the first thing. You knew they weren't going to punt the football. I mean, they hardly ever punt. We'd already run one back. I know they could have kicked it out of bounds, but they weren't going to punt. If you call a timeout, that at least pops into their mind. Okay, we got to punt the football here because if we don't get this, they're going to give them the ball, you know, in great field position where we only need a field goal with two timeouts and all we need is a field goal to go win it. So you have to give yourself enough time. I mean, that's it was just a coaching error. I mean, there's nothing else that you can say. It was literally a coaching error. And you have to be better 
that's again, it goes back to putting your guys in the position to win a football game. We did not give ourselves an opportunity to win that football game because they just, I mean, that was, it was mind boggling. I mean, there's, it was just mind boggling. It was, that's again, I'm not trying to bash coach, but at the same time, you have to know, you have to call a timeout in that situation. I mean, otherwise, you're basically saying, I just want the game to go to overtime. Yep. I mean, and that's literally what you're telling is, uh, I just want this to go to overtime because there's no way you were going to have enough time to, to do anything, to do anything to be able to come back and win the game. So it was, that was frustrating. It was just mind boggling that that didn't happen. Yeah. He tipped his hand and uh, Navy called his bluff and and made the big play. It was really, again, I know I'm covering Kansas State, but at times Navy is very, very fun to watch and how they approach things. Fervent Purple wants to know, what's the biggest need that the staff must address in the offseason? And I know, Brian, you mentioned the offensive line. I kind of feel the same way. Uh, this is I, I feel like they'll get this figured out. There was a little hinting at the end of the game that they might get a transfer at offensive tackle. I know they looked through the JUCO ranks. I think they might be considering a grad transfer at tackle spot to try to beef them up uh, with Cooper Beebe probably being the other tackle for next season. They have a lot of rebuilding to do on that offensive line. We know that. It's obvious. Defensive tackle, they've got some questions to address. There are plenty of questions in terms of the team. I think, and I, I just want to get your thoughts on this, the biggest thing this coaching staff needs to do in the offseason is scout themselves and their first tour of duty in the Big 12. How are things different at the FBS level, the Power 5 level, as opposed to being the dominant FCS school? The game's a little bit different. What do we need to do differently in year two, three, four, and on down the road to make us better coaches? And that's just, he asked what I think they need to address. I think they need to really stop and think about how they handle things at this level. Yeah, absolutely. It's big self-evaluation is what needs to happen. Just a huge, big scout of yourself. That's what needs to happen. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's what every staff does. You've got to figure out where you need to get better, what you need to get better at. Um, and so, obviously, you can go by position. I mean, and every position obviously clearly has to get better. There's some bigger needs than others. But yeah, offensive line is definitely going to be something that we're going to have to put together. Uh, defensive line, we're going to have to put together. Uh, you're going to have to get those things figured out and figured out quickly. You know, you need to have – I'm not a believer of, hey, we can just put this together in fall camp. I don't think that that works, not at the offensive line position. Defensive line is a little bit different. Offensive line position, they need to have that solidified by the time the spring is up. Uh, or there's problems. Uh, just because you have guys trying to learn an offense in a limited number of practices before you're ready to get the games going. And I don't believe that that's the best way to do it. Um, you don't see, I mean, it's just, it's just not every now and then you're, you'll see a, a true freshman come in and play. That's usually a guy that's only going to be there for three years and he's going to the NFL. Um, so that obviously the talent level is a little bit different. So, but as far as coaching is concerned, yeah, just just getting back into the, the what makes us better. What what can we do to be better? Late game situations, adjusting to you know in game situations, you know, understanding how teams are attacking us, and you know, a, a lot of it was 
this year, especially on offense, is seeing a three-man line, you know, and what we can do against a three-man line. And I was screaming it and saying it every single time that we played against somebody, hey, go run the football downhill. Who cares if they're twisting and shifting and, and doing those things? Just run the ball right at them and make them stop you. You know, the only time that we really couldn't do that if we tried was against Baylor. Now, Baylor was a different deal because those guys were just big, strong, successful. I mean, they're going to have a few NFL guys that are going to play, so that made it a little bit more difficult. But for the most part, especially yesterday, just run the football right at guys. So it's going to be a lot of those in-game adjustments that the coaching staff has to, to get back and just doing what we do. Stop letting them dictate to us, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I thought on the defensive side of the ball, we dictated a lot. We gave up some plays. We give up plays from time to time through the season. But for the most part, hey, this is what we're going to do. You line up, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to run with it and live with it. On offense, we didn't do that. On offense, it seemed like we let the defense dictate to us based on what they wanted to do. And that's not how a successful offense is run. You got to dictate to them. And if they come out in a different look, then just check to a different play. You know, run it the other way or throw it the other way or protect it a different way. But don't let them dictate what your game plan is. And I think that's what we got caught up in a lot this year is them dictating and and not sticking with what the game plan is. Or maybe the game plan going in was we're going to do this based on how they play. And you can't do that. You got to do what's best for you and make the defense adjust to what you do well. And then just let the chips fall where they may with the adjustments. Amen. I agree with all that. Let's wrap up this final PowerCat postgame podcast of the year. Brian, by the way, thank you for joining me throughout the year. It's been really good stuff. Uh, here's a couple lighter questions. First of all, KSU Man wants to know how many K-State fans were probably on this trip. One of the more comical moments of the night at the Liberty Bowl in the press box is when they announced the attendance is 50,000 in the 50,000-seat stadium. Um, yeah. And it was far less. That was we estimated up in the media that's probably closer to 25K, and I think Kansas State had about 15K of that. I think it was even more than what – uh, Liberty Bowl expected uh, from Kansas State fans. There was just a ton of purple here in downtown Memphis. A great showing, kind of an old school showing, not what they did in the early days when it was all so fresh and new. That crowd you guys took in 97 to the Fiesta Bowl was so absolutely remarkable how the fans just overran the Phoenix area. Of course, you go back to the Copper Bowl in 93 when it was all so fresh and new and exciting and yeah, we've gotten a little jaded, and maybe these bowls have gotten a little stale. Another person wanted to know about uh, this trip to the Liberty Bowl as opposed to last trip to the Liberty Bowl. The last one was a total mismatch against Arkansas. Kansas State was playing Cody Cook, the fifth quarterback. He was a receiver. You knew where that one was going. Right, yeah. Uh, this was a very intriguing game. It was fun to play the Naval Academy. What stood out to me the most, Brian, was an opportunity to talk to these young men that are in the Naval Academy and how impressive they are and find out who's going into surface warfare and who's going into the Marines and uh, et cetera because before their final semester of their senior year, they have to declare that just stopping and thinking about these young men that have gone off to play football for four years at an academy have also gone off to serve their country uh, on down the road. And, uh, you know, you talk to Diego Fago, the wonderful linebacker for the Naval Academy, 
I didn't ask him where he's going. He looks like a fighter pilot. I mean, he looks like he's going to be, you know, flying planes off of a deck of a carrier. He's kind of your uh, cookie cutter Naval Academy guy and uh, how you vision him uh, in terms of like Top Gun. You know, he said it's you give four to get 40. I thought that was really interesting. You give four years of college uh, and you get 40 years of a career. Uh, so it's it, it was very interesting to talk to guys that aren't just there to play football. They're there because this is what they want to do for a career. But then I contrasted that, Brian, with talking to Kansas State guys and how impressive they are. Uh, they really are a great group of young men. It was something Coach Snyder demanded, and Coach Kleiman is continuing that. Talking to Josh Youngblood, a true freshman. This kid was in high school last year. And about being an All-American kickoff returner and how humble he was about it. That isn't, you know, that's nice. I'm not listening to it because this isn't where I want to be. I want to be a complete receiver, a complete returner, a multiple threat. Uh, this is just the start, so I can't get wrapped up in, in what I've accomplished. I, I was just blown away by it because it, it didn't feel like something he was told to say. It felt like something he truly believed. The big question, though, I have for you to close this up, and I've lost who asked it here, uh, but what did you think of those all-white uniforms? I love them. I did too, man. I absolutely love them. I know we haven't won. I don't believe we won a football game in the white helmets. No, Um, No, they haven't. But you know what? I absolutely love it. Hey, if the kids like it, I know that I liked it. I know that you've got some people that love tradition, but at the same time, given the variety, I mean, it just looked cool. It just looked good. So uh, I thought it was great. Absolutely thought it was great. Couldn't, 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 there's nothing to complain on my end. Uh, and, and none of the guys that I was watching the game with that I continue to talk to, every single former player absolutely loved it. Every single one of them. That was my dream uniform. You know, people are always talking about yeah. alternate uniforms, this and that, and black, and, you know, fancy lavender, whatever they could come up with. I'm like, I want all white road uniforms. It's all I want. I'm yep. a simple man. I want the white helmet with the purple power cat. It'll pop off there. Maybe I'd want a two-inch stripe down the middle, but that's me being nitpicky. <clears throat> that that little purple stripe, that one inch right. or whatever, did kind of got lost in the big picture. Uh, but I thought the uniforms were beautiful. And, and folks... The color of the uniforms, the color of the helmet, that has nothing to do with winning and losing. It's just all chance. It's like, uh, you know, having a lucky shirt when you go and play poker. It really doesn't have a damn thing to do with the outcome of a hand. Uh, It's it's just about how you feel. And I tell you what, I think uh, K-State will wear that combination much more in the future because K-State fans, young and old, be warned, there are more things coming now that they've had a year to prepare Nike to give them some stuff. Uh, the players love it. This is more of a player's program now. Coach Snyder did what Coach Snyder did, and he did it very well. This is Chris Kleiman's program now, and he will do it his way. There's going to be a learning process, but included in that will be alternate uniforms. So gird yourself. Gird your loins, fans. It's coming. <laughs> alternate helmets. I would prefer the power cap being on the side of the helmet in every game, but if they're not, uh, let's have some fun with it and see what they can do. Brian, thank you for joining me all year long. It's been really a pleasure doing this with you. You do a great job for us. I hope you'll rejoin us next year or uh, maybe move on to big time stuff. Maybe we can just get you on an ESPN set and sit you down and let you do your thing. 
I loved it. <laughs> you know, I appreciate I appreciated every single week. I thought it was great. Uh, this is I'll be honest with you. I told you from the very beginning, this is my dream to be yep. able to talk college football uh, to people that are just going to listen and to be able to express my opinions about it. Um, and I love every single bit of it. And I love Kansas state. I love Kansas state football. So if you guys will have me, I'll keep coming back. Like I said, I absolutely loved every single second. I'm just so excited for the program. So real exciting stuff. And I can't thank you enough for giving me the opportunity. Uh, you're quite welcome. And uh, it was a pleasure doing it. Remember folks, eight and five is something to cherish because we did not expect this in Chris Kleiman's first year after three and oh, maybe we did. And three and two, maybe we didn't. And six and two, maybe we did. That's the kind of season it was. It was a little bit up and down, but the ups far outweighed the downs in this first season. And as we close this podcast, let's hear from coach. He's, he shares his thoughts on the game on the Learfield IMG Kansas State Sports Radio Network. I thought their defense was the difference in the game. Uh, they blitzed us. They did a good job of, of kind of getting us out of rhythm and out of sync. And uh, and then you're right. You, Malcolm Perry's a terrific player. If we thought we were going to hold him to 20 points, I'd have thought we'd have won the game. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we played really good red zone defense, and nobody played really good red zone defense against them. And uh, so we limited them to a couple of field goals. And, and uh, you know what? I, we did some really good things. We got beat on two trick plays. And um, that, that happens. And, and uh, guys, they, they made a good play on those. And we have a big punt return. But we just couldn't get into a rhythm offensively. You've been listening to the PowerCat Post Game Podcast presented by Caddyshack Golf. PowerCat Podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.